0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why the oldest
1: kids in your class were probably the most popular, how some invasive species actually help
0: their ecosystems, and how often you should clean your keyboard. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Who were the most popular kids in your school? Chances are good that it was the oldest kids in class. According to a new study, high school popularity is linked to how old you were compared to the other kids in kindergarten. So in any given class, the older kids are also most likely to be the popular ones, and that can have pretty significant long-term effects on a kid's life. This study is the first of its kind to look into the relationship between age and popularity. Previous research into the effects of a student's age has looked at things like academic performance, sports, skills, and self-esteem. But for this study, researchers waded into uncharted and dangerous territory—high school popularity. Those researchers took data from 13,000 14- and 15-year-olds in the Netherlands, Sweden, and England. The students were asked to list the most popular kids in their classes— A dreaded task, but a very revealing one. When the researchers analyzed the data, they found that students who were older when they started school were more popular when they got to high school. And that was true of all three countries they looked at. But in the Netherlands, there was an extra effect. See, there it's common for students to skip or repeat grades, which leads some classes to have a wider range of ages. In those classes... The kids who had been held back, and were therefore older than the rest of the class, were more popular, regardless of how old they were when they started school. But this wasn't true in England and Sweden, where it's not as common to repeat grades. But even without skipped or repeated grades, the age differences in a class can be dramatic. In most school systems, children enroll using a cutoff date. Usually, students need to have turned 5 before September 1st, to start kindergarten. So there's sometimes a whole 11-month spread of ages within a single class. In younger students, that can lead to huge differences in size, strength, sexual maturity, brain development, and social skills. Even though age differences aren't as dramatic in higher grades, those early advantages can add up. You see, if a kid is seen as powerful, influential, and self-confident early on, teachers might have higher expectations for them, which could lead to boosts in performance and even greater self-confidence. So in the end, the researchers recommended that teachers think more seriously about their students' relative ages and how that could influence social dynamics in the classroom. But if you've ever wondered why the whole cheerleading squad had fall birthdays, there's a reason.
1: Invasive species are a fraught topic they can do real ecological harm. I mean, think about the invasion of cane toads in Australia or kudzu in North America. But that doesn't mean that a relocated species is always bad for an ecosystem. In some cases, they can even help. So let's talk about how some invasive species help their ecosystems thrive. Like, take donkeys in the desert southwest of the United States. They're not native to the area, and typically, ecologists would refer to animals like this as an invasive species. Recent research published in the journal Science found that they tend to dig holes in the ground during the height of summer. That's to find buried water they can drink. But these watering holes also create desert oases that native species can take advantage of too. By doing this, they're actually playing a really important role in the local ecosystem. Eucalyptus trees in California are another example. They're not native, but they're able to provide great habitats for wintering monarch butterflies as other wintering sites become scarce. And we all know about how important honeybees are as pollinators in North America, but they're not native there either. This idea that some non-native species can benefit their new ecosystems is a controversial one. I mean, it's the kind of idea that can rouse generally docile, nature-loving ecologists into heated shouting matches. This isn't a conflict over whether non-native species can provide benefits. It's really more about whether those benefits outweigh the potential harm those species might also cause. Every ecosystem is a complex system with many players that push and pull on everything around them. When a new species is dropped into the mix it can disturb this balance and potentially do some damage. But these introductions are rarely all bad or all good. Introduced species can be complex characters with legitimate pros and cons. Like with most things in science, the truth is more complex than it seems.
0: The pandemic taught us all to get better at washing our hands. But that's not the only thing you should be cleaning. Here's a story from 2018 with some hygiene advice that we remastered just for you. All right. So, Ashley, what is the dirtiest thing you come into contact with every day? A toilet seat, right? So actually, no, toilet seats actually aren't really that bad. I guess, yeah, people clean them all the time. Well, uh, yeah, there was a professor of microbiology at the University of Arizona who told the BBC there aren't actually that many things cleaner than a toilet seat when it comes to germs.
1: Wow. We're just it's just a big myth that
0: everybody's spreading all over the place. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. Well, bad news, that dirtiest thing you might come into contact with might be your keyboard. Ooh. Yeah. A recent study from the University of Arizona found that the typical desk has 400 times more bacteria than a toilet seat. Although, again, toilet seats kind of get a bad rap, but still, keyboards can be gross. A study from Northwestern Memorial Hospital found that two drug-resistant and deadly bacteria could survive for up to 24 hours on a keyboard. So, microbiologists recommend that public keyboards and mice should be disinfected at least once a week. If you're the only one using your keyboard, chances aren't quite as high of you'll get sick from the germs on it, but hey, better safe than sorry. So, how do you stay clean? The National Center for Health Research recommends these steps. First, wash your hands before doing anything on the keyboard. Once your hands are dry, turn off your computer, unplug it, And then turn the keyboard upside down and shake out any gross debris hiding in the key openings.
1: Oh, man, mine is so full of crumbs. It's disgusting.
0: Yeah. And you don't want to shake too hard if you're shaking your laptop upside down. But you can also use a can of compressed air to help in in case, again, you don't want to be throttling your $2,000 gaming laptop. (laughs) Then dampen a cotton swab with water or isopropyl alcohol. Don't get it really wet. Just a little damp. Then dab between the keys with the swab, and then dampen a lint-free cloth and wipe down the rest of the keyboard. And you're set. If you've never cleaned your keyboard before, do it. Do it now.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's do a quick recap of what we learned today, starting with the fact that the oldest kids in class also tend to be the most popular. I feel like this is no surprise to me, but that has implications for teachers that might put higher expectations on these kids to succeed. And it might be worth considering if your kid has a birthday right around a cutoff date for enrolling in school. I mean, it sounds like basically the best plan is to have a kid that is born in September. <laughs> so if you can plan that, right? I mean, that's that's totally how pregnancy works. Just mark the calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I did it. You did? Oh, he's born in September. I mean, I guess technically my wife did it, but, you know. <laughs> wow. That's, that's skill. That's I'm very impressed. Thanks. <laughs> Definitely had a lot of control over that. We also learned that some invasive species can actually help their ecosystems thrive. And a lot of the time, even generally harmful invasive species provide some benefits. Remember that nature is complicated and the truth is rarely as simple as black and white. Although if I could remove that blight that killed all the chestnut trees in the U.S., I would go back in time and make sure it never happened because that's one of the most upsetting things I've ever learned about. And maybe we'll talk about it in this podcast soon.
1: I was personally floored by the fact that honeybees are invasive. Totally didn't know that.
0: Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's really weird. But that's why people listen to this podcast because the weird stuff. <laughs> they listen for the weird stuff. The weird that's stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yep.
1: And we learned that you should really clean your keyboard. I mean, we probably all knew that. The average desk can have 400 times more bacteria than a toilet seat, which, you know, toilet seats are actually pretty clean. We've learned that on this podcast, too. Uh, But you should try to clean your keyboard at least once a week anyway. Just kind of shake it out and then wipe it down and maybe wash your hands before you use it.
0: This is one of those examples of absolutely not practicing what we preach, though, I got to say. I, oh, yeah. I spilled like a drop of soy sauce on my keyboard maybe four months ago and it the hyphen key on my keyboard now sticks or won't work sometimes and I use the hyphen key all the time because I'm an M dash king. No N dash. I don't care for the N dash. That one I think is an overrated dash. The M dash <laughs> is where I'm at mm-hmm. in the hierarchy of dashes. And... <laughs> Let me tell you. All I have to do is take the key off, but I haven't done it. Uh, so no judgment if you don't do it, but don't be like me.
1: I'm going to I'm going to do something horrible right now and I'm going to shake out my keyboard and see what happens. Not as bad as I thought. It's one of those <laughs> kind of like low profile ones, so it can't really hold that much in the first place. Nice. Proud of myself. <laughs> be like Ashley. <laughs> Today's writers were Kelsey Donk and Cameron Duke. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer,
0: who was also a writer on today's episode. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow and the invasive species known as Curiosity Daily will help the ecosystem of your brain thrive by helping you learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.